Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. When you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, you see that it's made up of two parts. The first part tells us what Jesus Christ has done. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And the second part tells us what we must do in response to what Christ has done. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That is the pattern of the gospel. This is what Jesus, this is what God in his word always does. He tells us what he has done through Jesus Christ. He, he tells us what he has done. He tells us what he has, how he has acted. And then he commands us to respond. This is the pattern of the gospel. That is always the pattern of God's word. He tells us what he has done. Then he tells us what to do in response to his work. What he has done never takes away the necessity for us to work. It establishes our ability to work. And so this is what God always does. And this is the pattern that we see here in Galatians 5 verse 1. What has Jesus Christ done? He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. And what is our response? Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We're going to look at both halves of this verse. First, we'll look at what Jesus has done, then we'll look at how we must respond. So first of all, what has Jesus Christ done? Galatians 5.1 gives us one of the most glorious, wonderful truths in the entire Bible, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Jesus Christ is the one working there. This is not a command to us to make ourselves free or to achieve our own freedom. Paul says, Christ has set us free. Now, what does that mean? That truth will mean nothing to us if we don't understand the weight of the slavery that he sets us free from. What exactly is it that Christ has set us free from? What kind of slavery are we in apart from the liberating work of Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible tells us that every single man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is born as a slave in at least four ways. First of all, apart from Jesus Christ, we're all slaves to our own sin. We feel the weight of this. Jesus says, in John 8:34 Truly truly I say to you everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And Paul says the same thing or the apostle Peter rather says the same thing in 2 Peter 2:19 he says whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. We all know what this is like even as Christians to be overcome with this sense that I can't do anything but sin. And Paul says the same thing in Titus 3.3. 3. He's speaking about the nature of every single person apart from Jesus Christ. And he says, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are all slaves of our own sin. We're born that way. 
We're born into that slavery. We are born as people who are sinners by nature and we cannot choose to stop sinning. We are absolutely powerless to break free from our sin. We really are slaves. There are shackles on us. There's a collar around our neck. We are chained and we cannot, we cannot break free apart from Jesus Christ. But as bad as that is, our slavery is even worse than that. Second, apart from Jesus Christ, we are all slaves to the devil and his demons. This is, this is true. There, are, there is a devil, and he does have demons, and we are slaves to him, apart from Christ. 2 Timothy 2.26 Paul speaks of those who have been captured by the devil to do his will. In Galatians 4.9, he warns us, Do not turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, world whose slaves you used to be. And in Galatians 4, what he's talking about is the devil and his demons. He says, Do not turn back again to the, those principalities, those powers that you used to be a slave of. Apart from Jesus Christ, every person on the face of the earth is a slave of Satan and his demons. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, 2, every human being, every man, every woman, every child by nature follows the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We have all been captured by the devil to do his will. And apart from Jesus Christ, we are hopeless against the chains of the devil. None of us is strong enough to resist him and break his chains and gain our freedom from the devil. But as hopeless as that sounds, it gets worse still. Not only are we slaves of our own sin and slaves of, the, of Satan. Third, apart from Jesus Christ, we are all slaves to the law. We are slaves to God's law. In Romans 7, 6, Paul tells us that the law held us captive. The law was like a jail master, a slave master that held us captive. In Galatians 3.23, Paul says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. In other words, apart from Jesus Christ, every single man, woman, and child is held as a condemned prisoner under the righteous judgment of the law of God. Apart from Christ, we are doomed. We are doomed to live under the exact requirements of the law. But, apart from Jesus Christ, we can't live under the, we can't obey the exact requirements of the law. We have no hope at all of earning our freedom by obedience because we can't obey. Remember, we are slaves of our sin and we are slaves of Satan. How can we possibly obey the law of God? We are powerless to obey. Apart from Jesus Christ, all that the law can do for us is to point out our sins and to condemn us for them. But if, as if that weren't bad enough, as if being a slave of our sins, slave of Satan, a slave under the law were not bad enough. Fourth, apart from Jesus Christ, we're all slaves to fear. In Hebrews 2.15, the Bible says that every human being through fear of death, is subject to lifelong slavery. 
Every human being, all of us, through fear of death, is subject to lifelong slavery. Think about that. How could it be any other way? How could it possibly be any other way? If you're hopelessly enslaved to your sin, if you're hopelessly enslaved to the devil, to do his will, and if you're therefore hopelessly enslaved under the condemnation of God's righteous, holy law, then you have a whole lot to be afraid of. You especially have death to be afraid of. Because when you die, you will have to face your judge. The one whose righteous law you have broken again and again and again and again. If you have never embraced Jesus Christ by faith and come to Him for mercy and put all of your hopes in Him, in His grace, in His forgiveness, in His love for sinners, then you will stand before the righteous judge of all the universe and you will have to give an account for all of your sin and all of your rebellion. That is a dreadfully scary thought, and every one of us should be gripped by the fear of it. The Bible says that the fear of that day of judgment holds people captive. They are paralyzed with fear at the thought of dying and facing their judge. And I believe that every fear, every other fear that we face, is just a shadow of that fear. I will someday stand before a holy judge. I will be laid bare before him. And there will be no hope for me. That's what shackles us. And enslaves us. We are held captive by the fear of death. So apart from Jesus Christ, we are all slaves. Slaves to our own sin. Slaves to Satan. Slaves to the condemnation of the law. Slaves to fear. We are all slaves. But I'm here to proclaim to you Jesus Christ came to free us from all of that slavery. Jesus Christ Himself has come to free us from all of that slavery. He Himself declares in in Luke 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is why He came. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. He came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's why He came. He has come to free us from our sin. Revelation 1.5 declares to us that Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, has freed us from our sins by His blood. He has done it. He has come to set us free from Satan. Paul says in Colossians 2.15, Jesus Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities. He has disarmed Satan and his angels and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in the cross. Jesus Christ has come to free us from the captivity that Satan holds us under. And you're not there anymore if if you're in Jesus Christ. He has come to free us from all of the power of Satan. He says in 2 Timothy 2.26 that sinners who repent and come to know the truth can escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Jesus Christ has come to free you from the power of Satan and his angels.
And he has come to free us from the curse and the condemnation of the law. Paul declares to us in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Redemption is a slave term. He came to, to buy us out of the slavery that the law held us under. Christ Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus Christ took all the condemnation, all the guilt, all the punishment that you have, and He has taken it away. He has redeemed you from the curse of the law that you could never keep. He says in Romans 7, 6, But now in Christ Jesus we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. Notice, we serve, but not the law. We serve God. Not under the condemnation of the law, but in the new life of the Spirit. He says in Romans 8, 1 and 2, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus Christ has come to save us from the condemnation, the slavery of the law. And Jesus Christ has come to set us free from fear. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Listen to this. Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus Christ came to deliver us from the fear of death. That's why he took on a body. That's why he took on flesh and blood, so that he could die and save us from that fear of death and judgment. Christ has set us free. That is what he has done. Now, why? Why has Christ set us free? Why has He set us free from our sins, free from Satan, free from the condemnation of the law, and free from fear? Galatians 5.1 tells us, for freedom, Christ has set us free. You can hear the, you can hear the exasperation in Paul's voice, because he's dealing with people who will not hear, who will not believe the freedom that they have in Christ. And he says to them, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. What's wrong with you people? Why do you want to go back into slavery if Christ has set you free for freedom? It's silly to think that Jesus Christ would burst open the doors of our prison, would shatter the chains that bound us, bring us out into the sunlight of liberty only to transfer us to another prison or to let us go back. That's absurd. Jesus Christ set us free so that we would remain free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. When He suffered on the cross for the sins of His people, when He vanquished Satan and His demons, when He canceled the condemnation of the law by perfectly obeying the law, when He, through His own death, destroyed the one who had the power of death in order to deliver us from the fear of death, He did it all for a reason. He did it to secure and guarantee the freedom of all who will come to Him by faith. For freedom, 
Christ has set us free. And Jesus himself says in John 8, 36, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So that is the truth presented in the first part of verse 1. It's all a statement of fact. This is what happened. This is true. Who acted? Christ did. What did he do? Christ has set us free. Why did Christ set us free? For freedom. Christ has set us free. But now, so what? So what? What's that got to do with us? What are we supposed to do with that fact? How are we supposed to respond to that? We could just sit here and say, okay, got it. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. And go on out of here, walk away from here, in with, with our chains rattling behind us as we walk out the door. We could hear this truth about the freedom Christ has won for us, and we could accept that in theory as information to be filed away someone in our, somewhere in our brains or put in this religious box that we store it in and stick on, on the shelf in our minds, and we could do nothing with it. Or we could take this information and use it. We could take this truth, this reality, and use it in the way that God has designed it to be used. Every one of us will walk out of this room today making either one or the other of those two choices. Either we will file it away and say, oh, that's nice, and walk right back into our prison cell, or we'll believe it and we'll use it and we'll be free. What should our response be to the truth that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free? He tells us in the second part of verse 1, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There it is. Two commands. Two commands for us to obey based on the truth that Jesus Christ set us free for freedom. The first command is to stand firm. Stand firm. And really the force of this is better said by continue to stand firm. Continually stand firm. Consistently stand firm. Keep on standing firm. It's not something that you do once and you're done with and you're, you've, you've been there and you've done that. You stood firm and now you're done. It is something you must keep on continually doing. Never let your guard down. Never get lazy about standing firm. Our temptation will always be to stop standing firm. And that's why he says keep on standing firm. God commands us to stand firm. Stand firm in what? Stand firm in the liberty that Christ won for you. Stand firm in it. Plant your feet in it. Do not let anything pull you away from it. Do not be pulled away from the freedom that Christ earned for you. Plant your feet firmly in the liberation that Christ secured for you. How do we obey that command? How do we do that? What's it mean in practice to stand firm in our freedom? How do we do that? The key to obeying this command, to stand firm, is believing the truth in the first part of verse 1. In order to obey the command to stand firm in freedom, we have to believe the fact that Christ has set us free. That's why he's told us this. Christ has set you free. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand firm. Now, here's what that looks like in practical terms. 
Now say you're tempted to sin. We are tempted to sin, aren't we? You are tempted to sin. Suppose you're tempted to to discontentment or greed or envy or coveting or lust or sensuality. Whatever your sin is, we all have these favorite sins that ride around on our backs, that constantly dog us, that constantly nip at us. So your sin comes and you're tempted by it. And you feel the onslaught of those desires welling up inside you. You feel like, oh no, here it goes again. I know exactly what's going to happen next. But you feel powerless. And what you feel like is that you're a slave to sin. What do you do at that moment? What do you do when it feels like you're going to be swept away by these temptations, like you're totally helpless to stand against this temptation? What do you do at that moment? At that very moment, you embrace the truth You believe the truth of what Jesus Christ has already accomplished for you. Here's what you do. You talk to yourself. You say to yourself, wait a minute. I am not helpless against this temptation. It feels like I'm helpless, but I know that I'm not because I know what Jesus Christ has done for me. For freedom, Christ has set me free. I am not a slave to my own lust and greed and love of self. For freedom, Christ has set me free. I do not have to sin. I don't have to do this. Jesus Christ has freed me from the power of my sin. And now I have the freedom to obey in the power of the Holy Spirit. I will not be controlled by my, by my discontentment and my greed and my envy and my coveting and my lust. I will embrace the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for me and I will fight my sin with the power of His might. I'm not a slave anymore. I don't have to do that. You will do it if you don't tell yourself that. You will be swept away. Because it feels like you're still a slave. How do you fight the feeling that you're still a slave? You fight it with the truth. And you let the truth tell you how to feel. And how to act. Suppose you're you're faced with the attacks and the accusations of Satan himself. He comes and he whispers in your ear. You know what it's like to have Satan whispering in your ear, don't you? You know what the problem is? Many of us, when Satan's whispering in our ear, we think it's the Holy Spirit whispering in our ear. And we believe it. Here's what Satan says. When he whispers in your ear, He says, just who do you think you are anyway? You call yourself a Christian? You hypocrite? If your friends knew what you thought about, if your husband knew what you thought about, if your wife knew what you thought about, they would despise you. They would turn away from you in disgust. Why don't you just give up the charade? Give up the play. Give up the hypocrisy. You obviously can't resist your own sinfulness. Go ahead. Walk away from God. Do what feels good. You're lost anyway. Can any of you hear Satan saying that to you? What do you do? How do you respond to that attack? 
And those accusations at that very moment, here's what you do. At that very moment, you embrace the reality of what Jesus Christ has won for you. And you say to him, no, Satan, you're a liar. Jesus Christ has freed me from your tyranny. Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is God who has declared me to be righteous in his eyes because of what Jesus Christ has done. Who, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised from the dead. He is at the right hand of God interceding for me right now. Satan, you're a liar. For freedom Christ has set me free. He has set me free from your accusations. And at that moment, you lift the shield of faith and you extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. What do you think that means? You take the truth, you believe it, you hold it up, and you deflect his attack. Or suppose you are struggling under the constant cloud of guilt and, and the condemnation of the law. And you see, you see the righteous, holy, beautiful commandments of God. You see them. But you also see how often you break those commandments. And you know you don't measure up to God's holiness. What do you do? In the face of your own condemnation of the law, what do you do to keep you from being crushed under the weight of the condemnation of your sin? At the very moment when that gray cloud rolls in, you must embrace once again this rock-solid reality of what Jesus Christ has purchased for you on the cross. You embrace it, you believe it, you grab hold of it, and you use it. And you say to yourself, O oh God, You are the one who blots out my transgressions for your own sake, and you will not remember my sin. Oh God, you have blotted out my transgressions like a cloud and wiped away my sins like the mist. You have had compassion on me. You will tread all my iniquities underfoot. You will cast all my sins into the depths of the sea. Oh Jesus Christ, you have redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. And there is therefore now no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. For freedom Christ has set me free. And you get up and you worship Him. And you obey Him. Maybe you're paralyzed with fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of failing, fear of dying. Again, the shadows of the fear of judgment that we all carry around with us. What do you do when you wake up in the middle of the night? Your mind is churning. Your mind is racing and wandering and fretting and worrying and the weight comes down on you and you feel this weight on your chest. feels like an elephant sitting on you. You feel like you can't even breathe anymore. The panic comes. It could be about anything. At that very moment, You embrace the truth of what Jesus Christ secured for you when He conquered death and guaranteed the well-being of your eternal future. No matter what happens to me, if even the worst thing I could possibly imagine happens to me. What is that? I stand before God. 
I stand before Him. With His righteousness covering me. And nothing that can happen can shake that. I don't have to be a slave to fear. For freedom, Christ has set me free. I can go back to sleep. I can rest. I can rest in His merciful care for me. You see, brothers and sisters, we have to use the truth to obey the command. You use the truth to obey the command. The truth is the sword that you use to fight your sin. The truth is the tool that you use to do what God has commanded you to do. You use the truth in order to obey the command. I'm convinced of it, that we have our heads full of truths that we just do nothing with. We set them on the shelf and we don't do a thing with them. And so temptation comes. We, 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 We hear this truth, free from sin, free from Satan, free from the condemnation of the law, free from from fear. We hear it, we file it away, and then all these things come at us and we're washed away. Because we don't even begin to use the truth in order to fight the sin, in order to obey the commandment. You must obey the command. You must obey God's commands. In this case, you must stand firm in your freedom. But you must stand firm by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has already stood firm for you. And you stand firm in the power of that truth. And you embrace the truth. You grab hold of it. You believe it. And the truth sets you free to stand. Now, there are two commands in Galatians 5.1. The first command is the command to stand firm. The second command is this. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, do not let yourself be taken captive again. Do not let it happen. It can happen or else he wouldn't warn us against it. And it has happened for many of us in this room this morning. You have let yourself be taken captive again. Either by your sin or by the accusations of Satan or by the condemnation of the law or by your fear. You're sitting there as slaves to all of those things. And he says, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You've been set free from prison. Don't turn around and go back into your old cell. You've been set free from slavery. Don't hold your hands out and ask for the master to put the shackles back on again. Now, Paul says, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do you know what a yoke is? Not a yoke. But a yoke. A yoke is what we've seen, most of us probably in books or on, in the movies, you know, the, the bar that goes over the shoulders of the ox so that the ox can be harnessed and put to work. In Paul's day, it would have been very common to see an ox harnessed to, this, to, a, to a heavy cart, straining to pull the weight, being goaded by the sticks of the driver. And that is exactly the image Paul has in mind here. Don't become like an ox with a yoke on your neck being driven by a slave master. Now, what exactly is this yoke of slavery? 
In the context of Galatians, the yoke of slavery is the law of Moses. The law of Moses, with all the ceremonies, all the rituals, all the moral commandments, is a yoke of slavery because it places us under the crushing burden of laws we cannot keep and under the curses that we deserve for our disobedience to those laws. Apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the internal work of the Holy Spirit, what does the law do for us? All it can do is crush us. Crushes us and curses us. Paul says the same thing about the law in Acts 15.10. He's speaking to the Jewish elders, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem about the Gentiles who had become Christians. And he says to these Jewish leaders who are skeptical, he says to them, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. The Jewish Christians wanted the Gentiles to become Jews. To bear the weight. And he says, look, men, we couldn't even bear it. And you want to put it on them? This yoke on the neck. The law of Moses is a yoke of slavery because it could never set anyone free. When Paul preaches to the Jews in Acts 13, he says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Jesus Christ will free you from everything that you you were enslaved by under the law of Moses. Can the law of Moses free anyone from their sin? Of course not. It can only reveal and aggravate our sin. Can the law of Moses free anyone from Satan? No. Can the law of Moses free anyone from the condemnation that lawbreakers deserve? Of course not. All it can do is bring down the judgment of condemnation on your head. Can the law of Moses free anyone from the fear of death? No. How could it? It only makes us dread the day of judgment. No, Paul says you cannot be freed by the law of of Moses. Do not turn back again as if the gospel never happened. As if Jesus Christ never came. As if Jesus Christ never came, lived a perfect life, suffered the death that you deserve, was raised from the dead to break you free from the slavery. Don't turn back to that. Don't pretend that never happened. There's another yoke that will bring you freedom. Jesus says in Matthew 11, He says, Come to Me, all you who labor, who labor, And are heavy laden. The chains weigh you down. The yoke crushes you down. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. The fear bears you down. The sin bears you down. The condemnation bears you down. The guilt, the accusations bear you down. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You will have a yoke on your shoulders. You do have a yoke on your shoulders. The question is, which one is it? Is it the yoke of this crushing weight of the law and the condemnation it brings, or is it the easy, light yoke of Jesus Christ? He says, come to me, all you who labor under the crushing weight and the curse of the law that you cannot keep. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden with the power and the guilt of your sin. Come to me, all of you who are oppressed by Satan. Come to me, all of you who are held in slavery by your fear of death. Come to me and I will give you rest. He says to every one of us, when you come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I will command you and I will teach you, but my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you come to him? Will you humble yourself and come to Jesus Christ for rest? Will you take his yoke upon you? Will you submit to him and finally find rest for your soul? Or will you keep on laboring, keep on toiling away under the heavy load of your sin, under the tyranny of Satan, the condemnation of the law, the fear of death and judgment? Will you continue to be a slave? Or will you take hold of the freedom that Jesus Christ won for all His people? Jesus says, Come. Come. And that invitation is not just for you who have never come before. There are people in this room, I'm sure of it, who have never come before. You have never come to Jesus Christ. And you are constantly, always, consistently bearing that weight of sin and condemnation and judgment and fear. And you can't do anything about it. Jesus says to you, come. But that invitation is not just for you who have never come. It's for all of us. Even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, this invitation is for you. Jesus is calling you to come and to find in Him rest for your soul. Do not walk out of here with the crushing yoke of slavery on your neck. Take the easy yoke of Jesus Christ. Find freedom in Him. Freedom to obey. Freedom to resist the devil so that he will flee from you. Freedom to love the law of God instead of hate it. Freedom to face even death. With hope. Come to him.